Today in the podcast, I have a wonderful lady by the name of Julie Bale. And before I introduce you to her, I'm going to read out a paragraph from her website. And she says in the front page of her website, for me, your development is personal. And then she goes on to say, after struggling with performance nerves, self-doubt and low self-esteem for years, I found that hypnotherapy had so many of the solutions I needed and I implemented them into my own singing and conducting. What started as a quest to conquer my own insecurities and anxieties has turned into a system that is now helping hundreds of singers to step into who they really are and confidently show up in their lives and performances like never before. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I think this is an excellent paragraph because, I mean, how many musicians have I met in my own 20 years of tutoring that nerves holds them back, uh, preconceived notions, even judgment and criticisms? I can speak to it myself. So how did your musical journey start? Where did it begin? Well, well, it starts with my name. My name is Julie. Um, my mother was a huge Rodgers and Hammerstein fan. And so um, she went to see Carousel, her favourite musical Carousel, and fell in love with Julie Jordan. So I am Julie Jordan. <laughs> I, I became that Julie. She loved that name. And so I grew up really with, um, with Rodgers and Hammerstein and, and with all the, the sort of films, music, although my family were not at all not one of my family played an instrument at all so it was all um, singing uh, there was well singing as in just singing along to a film there was there was no solo singing there was no thought of of, mm. of that at all um and the singing that we did mainly was in uh, school and that and that kind of thing and i was i always was desperate to have singing lessons but um, but where I came from, though, firstly, there was nobody knew a, there wasn't such a thing as a singing teacher. And this certainly wasn't in school, although there were um, there were instrumental teachers in school, but not a singing teacher. Okay. And um, and and so that wasn't possible for me. So I didn't actually have any singing lessons until I went to university at 19. And how fortunate that voices develop later because I couldn't have I couldn't have become a pianist starting at you know 19. Yeah. Obviously I because I was um I was a clarinetist when I was I picked up the clarinet because I wasn't allowed to have singing lessons and so I had my musical training that way but I didn't have any singing lessons. Um, and just um just a question there you said you picked mm -hmm. up the clarinet did the you know given that the clarinet is a wind instrument did that help you then in preparation for singing because you're using your lungs and breathing and all of that? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, the teachers that I had in those days, they never equated the two um, at all. It was just that there was, well, I'm sure you know, there was a spare clarinet at school. And so, and it just um, happened to come across you. That's right. It was there. And at that point in time, music lessons in school were free. Otherwise, I would not have had access to it. Yeah. You know, mm. so I think it's something that we all feel passionately about, isn't it, at the moment? Um, I know. Looking at the Queen's funeral, for instance, you know, the other week and just seeing that amazing music that went on. Well, I mean, those choirs are renowned, those, you know, King's College choirs and Westminster mm. and so on. They're mm. renowned. They are really renowned. Absolutely so beautiful. You, yeah. 
you got your voice started, if you will, in university. Yes. And how did mm -hmm. you go from there onwards? Because you say on your website, you do lots of conducting as well. So how did that develop? Yes. Yeah, so, so I sang, um, I've sung as a, as a professional for, for around 30 years, something like that, really. But I, yes, I sang at university. I did a first degree um, in music and German, which was really useful because I'd sing an awful lot of German repertoire and I sung a lot of uh, Strauss and Wagner and, and so on. And uh, so, excuse me. And then I, um, and then I had a diploma from the Royal College of Music. And then I went into singing that way and I have a, um, an amazing singing teacher called Janice Chapman, who's like, you know, one of the top um, singing teachers. She's um, at the Guildhall, but also lots of other places as well. So that was that was how my singing started. And then I went into doing I've done lots of opera, but also oratorio. I do a lot of. Okay. Um, and so the choir sort of came came that way, standing at the front of choirs. And I'm wanting to give, I, I'm a huge fan of vocal technique. You know, I'm a huge fan of technique. And, right. uh, okay. and so being able to bring that to a choir, then one day I was just asked by, I was sent an email by someone who said, um, we've lost our conductor for our choir. Our choir. We can't find anybody else. We think our choir may have to shut down. Oh, Do you no. know anybody? I know. And so I said, well, well, I could do that, but I'd never done any conducting before. And um, and I felt I wanted to learn how to do it properly, as it were. So um, so I went and had some conductor training with the Sing for Pleasure Foundation, which is incredible, and also with the Association of British Choral Directors. So I got my training that way and then started doing other things. And um, at, at one point I was conducting five choirs. Oh my goodness, five choirs <laughs> together, that's a lot. Yeah, before, before COVID and then of course with the pandemic, all choirs stopped all singing stopped and then um, I know I know and um, and so now I just have one choir which is a choral society because I'm focusing on my hypnotherapy work so I'm doing mainly the hypnotherapy work um, and then uh, uh, some singing and some conducting and that sort of and me. tell me about yeah. the culture of choirs. You're you've a group of people all singing mm. together. Now I have been in a choir in school, and I just remember how much fun it was being part mm. of this amazing sound that was being created through voice, and it was just great. So tell me about the culture of choirs. What is it like for somebody who's never been in a choir? Why is it such fun? You see, the thing about choirs and and. and for me, it's central for me with music is that a choir is a community it is. and, and you know, we, we sing together and because I'm a singer standing in front of a choir, I'm very, very keen on nurture. So I'm happy for people to come in. People often worry and say, oh, but I've never done any sight singing or I've, I, I don't read music mm -hmm. even. And that even, you know, I, I conduct a choral society, which you would imagine needs to have a high level of singer. And what I prefer to do is to educate from within. So okay. 
as long as people are keen to to put the work in to learn their parts and you know nowadays there's so much information there we can um we can look on youtube and get voice parts you know done for us there's so many ways that we can learn without having to read music if you don't and if you do then there's you know lots more things we can we can bring out into the music but i think there is for me there's nothing like uh, voices standing and making music together. We had our first rehearsal, our first um, rehearsal since the summer break on the 18th of September, uh, which was of course the day before the Queen's funeral. Yes. And um, and some people did, just felt really, they weren't sure whether they would be able to come, whether they would be able to lift their voices in song. And um, so we decided to sing the Foro Requiem, just come, sing together no audience just us singing together for the queen for our grief and and it was such a moving experience because everybody could just do what they love doing singing together feeling as if you are part of belonging you know it's about belonging well, that's a good, requires, yeah and it? it's such an uh, an innate thing to be able to sing as opposed yeah. to play piano with your fingers mm -hmm. it's very innate you know yeah. you're dealing with really your soul when you sing aren't you this mm -hmm. leads to a question and the first person that comes to mind when you mention oratorio and these types of music is mm -hmm. Pavarotti mm -hmm. I remember there was stories about him wearing a scarf like me here today and protecting his voice he was so protective of his voice and what advice would you give to somebody who really wants to sing and yet they don't know about how to manage or protect their voice. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I, I, my, my number one top tip is maintain a healthy attitude. You know, there are things that we can, there are things we can do. We can, um, we can not smoke. We can um, make sure that we get enough sleep. We can make sure that we don't abuse our voices. So not too much shouting or not too much um, I tell you what's really difficult for voices, you know, when you go out to a bar or a restaurant and you're talking over people, it's really, really bad for the voice and tiring. Okay. Um, just sort of common sense things, really. What I find is, is the other way around. I find that people can get themselves far too worked up about, oh, my voice, my voice. And if they actually just keep it healthy, just as they do normally for when they speak in a, on a day-to-day -day, you know on a day-to-day -day basis then normally we're, we're we're okay but there are those obvious things like you know not um not being too tired if you're too tired then the, the voice you know it plays havoc in the different. voice yeah mm -hmm. it certainly can and uh, and shouting too much and doing things that where the rule of thumb is if it if it feels uncomfortable then it's not good if it feels fine, then you're probably doing it right. And what about, you know, drinking water, those kinds of things? It, you know, is that an important habit to maintain as you're preparing for performance and maybe even after performance? Yeah, I mean, I think hydration is hugely important for us as human beings, mm. isn't it? You know, yes, how it, is, yeah. it affects our brains. Mm -hmm. if, we, if we are ever so slightly dehydrated, the effect that we've seen on our brains is just, is just enormous. And certainly being hydrated, 
But again, people, singers can get themselves too worked up and they have to have their bottle of water with them and they have to drink lots and then they need to go to the loo, you know, and it's, <laughs> this is why I say, you know, maintaining it's a one healthy thing attitude. After yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. maintaining the healthy attitude, definitely drinking. I mean, I, certainly I, I do. I drink at least two litres of water a day because it makes me feel better in yeah. myself. Yeah. 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 Now, looking at your website, you mm. talk about nerves, mm. low self-esteem, self-doubt. Mm. Oh, I mm. can talk to you about that in detail. <laughs> Um, insecurities, anxieties, a lot of those words people avoid using because they don't know what to do with these words. Yeah. They feel it, but they don't know how to deal with it. And I have seen some people in the tutoring world or whatever, when a student comes up and says to them, oh, I feel nervous. We won't talk about that now. We'll just, you know, push it away there somewhere and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just breathe deep. You'll be grand. Yeah. So how did you get into this work and why? Okay, so um, I, I had myself as a performer always been fascinated and terrified by performance. Um, the difficulty is that we work really, really hard on our technique, on our artistry. And then there's this sort of snakes and ladders effect. We get to a performance, we feel we're in a certain place, we're able to do a really great performance, we're prepared for it, we've worked, we've put in all those hundreds of hours mm. that it, it needs yeah. to get there. And then suddenly this unexpected nerves takes over and we end up on autopilot mm -hmm. and you come out and you say, how did you do? I've not got a clue because I, I wasn't even there. I just did it and came out. And that happened to me such a lot. Um, and, and I couldn't understand why. And it didn't used to happen to me when I was a child. And, you know, just trying to find answers for that. And to begin with, my answers were work harder, do more work, learn my music better, be more, find, find ways to be a better singer. But even so, it still happened. And particularly in the times when it really mattered, like auditions, which are supposed to be the shop window for a singer, the place where you can go, this is what I do. Do you like it? If we both like it, we can work together. But instead, you know, I, I often talk about, I had, I had an audition for um, a big London opera house at one point and from the moment I knew I had the audition, each day I woke up, I woke up with progressively more panic, fear. And would you regard yourself as a confident person or more introverted? Ex you know, there's all these personality types. Mm. How would you describe yourself? Mm. I think a lot of performers are introverts, acting extrovert. So I think we we are naturally, many of us, not all, not all, but many of us are naturally introverted. We prefer to have time alone, which goes really well for us with, with practicing mm -hmm. and learning, doesn't it? Doing it ourselves, it's really nice to lose ourselves in music and absorb you know, what's going on. But on the other hand, we also love to perform. Or at and least have the dream. I would yeah. say have the dream of it, you know, that's right. fascination. And we, and we do, we dream of this, this performance where we do what we've been working on and it all goes brilliantly. 
and then we come to it and what can happen is you know this snake's a ladder thing suddenly you think you're there and then the, then you fall down the snake and but and do you're you not do you think though that in general tutoring terms now i wouldn't be speaking about the advanced level mm -hmm. tutoring i'm talking mm -hmm. about mid-range yep. low range if you know what yep. i mean i call them in loose terms grassroots mm -hmm. that is there enough time spent with teens even adults showing them how to do the performance as opposed to teaching them the technique i find yeah. that very often you have like maybe one class a week for the practical maybe one class for the theory side of things and suddenly that 30 45 an hour minute you know time frame is just eaten up with all the stuff that has to be learned and this finer aspect of how to actually do the thing meaning publicly is lost if not done Yep, I agree. I mean, I think I, I personally, until I discovered the hypnotherapy and the hypnotherapy exercises that I now use and that I now teach to singers, um, and actually not just to singers, you know, to, to musicians, I've taught composers, I've taught um, conductors, you know, I, I work with all, all kinds of musicians, mainly singers come to me because I'm a singer. I think, yes. you know, there's, and, yeah, that's, and, you, and you, you understand sort of their thing, that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, to answer your question, I think, no, I never had any, none whatsoever. It was just like, you'll be fine. Off you go. You'll be fine. You can do it. You're good at it. Thinking yeah. that because you have you have a, a, an ability to do something that therefore you won't get nervous. And that's not how it works, is it? And the question is, can you not be nervous? Mm hmm. So that's yes, I, I believe so. That's that is um, what I do now. So what happened was um, I discovered a few years ago, I did a, a yoga teacher training and started doing lots of guided meditations. And I started bringing those into my sessions. It was, um, it was online sessions uh, in those days because it was during the pandemic and online sessions and I started each of my singing lessons with a five minute guided meditation and one and one time I didn't and my singers were all over the place they were just well we can't concentrate because we haven't had our meditation <laughs> so I thought I I want to find out more about this yeah. and started looking up meditation courses and up you know Mr Google just kept throwing at me hypnotherapy 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 so I thought okay it's a sign. <laughs> I will try this. And, and, and once I started looking into it immediately, I was seeing this, well, that's going to be useful for a singer and that's going to be useful for a singer. Um, and, and so I enrolled on, on a, on a course because I'd found these techniques that worked for me that I used myself. And then I enrolled and became and trained and became a clinical hypnotherapist because I think that this is just so amazing that all musicians should be able to have access to this training because yes, you can. So it tends to come. It's all about for me, retraining the mind. And what a lot of us don't realize is that we are in control of our mind, mm -hmm. but we don't think that. So when we go to a performance, what happens is suddenly we feel really nervous. We feel all those things, you know, the palpitations, the sweaty palms, the shallow breath, the chaotic thoughts, all yes. of that stuff takes over. And we think, 
I can't do it now, you know. And we think it's because of the event, because we are there about to perform, but it isn't. It's the thoughts that we are unaware of that are going on in our head. Mm -hmm. Those thoughts that say, I can't do this, it's gonna be a mess. For me, in the oratorio, my thoughts, the actual words I said to myself before a performance were, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna trip on my dress, I'm gonna fall on my face. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. what a set up. <laughs> so can you imagine how I then felt? Yes. Yeah. But people don't realize that it's those words, it's that, think of the brain as a computer, and what I was doing is I was programming it with, this is gonna happen. I'm gonna walk yeah. out, I'm gonna trip on my dress, I'm gonna fall over, everybody's gonna laugh at me, it's gonna be awful, nobody's gonna to listen to me, I'm never gonna be employed again. All of those things, <laughs> and they apply to singers and musicians oh, they at do. any level, even going into your grade one piano exam. Yeah, I can't agree with thing, you more. My goodness, yeah. can't agree with you more. And I mean, the, the thing that used to get me was, you might have, um, a church full of people looking at you with stony faces <laughs> <laughs> and the stony faces got me yeah. and I had to get my head away from that and get involved in the melody line of the music and just go with the beauty of the mm -hmm. melody and the vision of what that piece was about and that's what got me through it a lot of the time yeah and that's yeah. where the magic started to happen but please continue so yeah. somebody who's very nervous who's like shaking and all the rest how do you actually control that do you have to do weeks of work with them before they go on stage well i mean i not weeks of work because the joy of uh, hip, the hypnotherapy um, and by the way hypnotherapy is not um, is not this sort of like Darren Brown you know magic think magical yeah, thinking yeah. where um, it is not in a hypnotherapy session you are not going to go in lie on a couch fall asleep and be fixed that's not how it works the okay. joy of of a hypnosis is that for musicians it's just like a part of what we do because if you think of the word trance, that's what really scares a lot of people. They think they're going to be put into a trance and made to do things they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. But yes. in actual fact, the trance is an everyday situation. Just like if, so what you were just saying there that you did, that's a trance. So being so absorbed in the music that you actually become unaware of anything else happening on the periphery. So you are so absorbed that then suddenly you come to the end and you go, oh, I've got to live in this world now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I but, that you know, world. I think when I discovered that was a self-discovery, it was you're reaching your soul. Yeah, absolutely. That's primarily, and you're getting beyond all this crappy stuff in your mind yeah. and you're getting down, yeah. down, down, getting into the soul and wow. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. that magic silence I, when I'm Do. dealing with mm -hmm. I you know the magic silence when you complete mm -hmm. your piece of music after performance say, Oh, it just yeah. happened. <laughs> that's magic. Yeah. And that's what we want all the time, isn't it? Every time we perform, we want to access that. Yeah. And the joy of these tools is that that can happen. So with the trance, if you think of the trance as an everyday experience, an everyday musical experience, or watching a film and being so absorbed that um, you can't think of anything else, or reading a book, mm -hmm. and then you have to come back. We've all experienced that. That yes. is the trance situation. We're still conscious. 
we're still in control of our own minds, but we're in this relaxed state where the brain is relaxed and so we can make suggestions to the brain that are accepted much more easily and that's hypnosis so when and we do yeah just sorry just bring it then into this uh conversation loosely called mm. flow state yeah how do you connect the two so you've got your hypnotherapy you've got your flow yeah. state and flow mm -hmm. state of course is when people are what we're just speaking about they're in yeah. the flow of creativity mm -hmm. So how do you link the two? The, there's a number of exercises to link the two. What we need to do, first of all, is we need to get, get rid of the fight or flight. And mm -hmm. some people will say, oh, but I need that because it helps me to be more alert and aware. And, um, and we can have long conversations about that, but I actually don't believe that. I think what is better is when we can bypass the fight or flight and just go into being our unique musician. Mm -hmm. So what would happen to do exactly as you've just said in hypnotherapy is what we would do immediately before a performance. Um, I teach people self-hypnosis so that they can go off and two minutes before a performance, they then put themselves into their safe place. How do we do that? We do it with the breath. So we imagine breathing in relaxation and breathing out tension and we're really focused on that and we set in their mind a place where they feel completely safe and secure, protected and relaxed mm -hmm. and they focus on being there. Then what we do is um, that there are two exercises that we put together and the first one is about anchoring emotions that will get us into the flow state. So for instance, for me, my singing is always about being free and fearless. And when I have freedom and fearlessness, then I feel that's me, I can be me. Other people might want calmness, they might want authenticity, they might want connection, they uh, might want power or strength. Mm -hmm. And what we do is, in hypnotherapy so in an exercise before what we can do is we can anchor those so we do an exercise where we imagine times where we felt those things and then we step into a circle or a spotlight an imaginary spotlight and we connect them to us so that then we can release those emotions whenever we want and that sounds complicated but it's not they're around us all the time if you imagine looking at um a photograph of a loved one immediately gives you a feeling of a, a soft feeling in your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, because so the, you're really kind of alluding to power of association in psychological terms, you know, yeah. where you're associating good feelings with good memory to yes. use it as an alter ego kind of thing. Yes. So you would you then have all of the resources that you feel you need for a great performance anchored inside you so that when you start to play or you start to sing you just take yourself to it's the circle so for for singers it's great because quite often they are stepping into a spotlight but you just imagine taking a step forward into your circle and when you're there because because you've trained your mind you've practiced it I mean, it doesn't have to be a long, long time. The joy of these exercises is that normally we would say four sessions, 
would pretty much do it. But I, I also run an audition emergency session, which is one 90 minute session, which helps people to start doing this mm -hmm. as in music. An awful lot of the work is done by yourself. You know, that bit of mm -hmm. practice with a sort of 15 minute audio that I have that you play to yourself that then embeds that into the mind so that when you step into your circle, that is what the brain does. You know, these, these training thoughts, we've swapped out the chaotic ones for the good ones that are going to take you into flow. And what about this notion of firstly technology being flooded with technologies we all are, which clutters up our mindset sometimes. And secondly, that leads to comparing, contrasting. I see my friend, oh, she's better than me. I'll never be as good as her. Um, how do you handle those thoughts? Yeah, so um, the comparing one, I absolutely, absolutely love that one. I do such a lot of work with musicians on, on comparing because frankly, there's no point. We are all unique. So, <laughs> you know, we are all unique. Not one of us is like someone else, you know, whether, whether you're playing or you're singing or you're mm -hmm. conducting, everybody is different and everybody has their own unique powers. And so what we do um, is we embrace the uniqueness. So we would go in, in a, a particular session, we would go into an imaginary performance. And while we're there, we would just explore in our imagination, what is it that makes us unique? What are we doing? Um, and quite often I, I, I bring out people like um, Kate Bush, for instance, who, you know, can you imagine Kate Bush without the arms? But had she gone to music college, I suspect she would have been told to stand still and hold her hands down by the side, you know. And these people yeah. have unique voices and do unique things. And quite often um, that can be knocked out of particularly singers when they train. And, and so they get to the stage where they feel they have to be like everybody else. So, and it's a little bit of imagining how you are going to be unique so therefore you don't compare with anyone else because you don't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So no. competitions, mm -hmm. competitions can be a breeding ground for pressure, mm -hmm. uh, comparison um, mm -hmm. and much more besides. And this kind of reaching beyond your comfort zone and going beyond those almost seemingly impossible thresholds to try and get there to that yeah. forever goal, getting there. Yeah. So. In competitions, what I've seen is you have people who are naturally confident and will reach up and it looks as if it's easy. And then suddenly you could have, I often equate it to somebody back in the corner of the room, a beautiful violinist that nobody listens to, but they actually could be way better. How do you encourage that person at the back of the room to go forward and really pull themselves up there beyond a serious threshold of uncomfortable feelings? Yeah. Um, so what I what I always say to people is that we're all musicians for a reason, aren't we? I mean, I believe that it calls us, you know, we 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 are musicians and there has been a point in our lives where we've realized that we are a musician. And then let's face it, a musician's life is not straightforward and it's not easy. It requires a great deal of discipline and a massive amount of work. And if you've done that, then you've done it for a reason. 
And quite often, I think we can forget what that reason is. Very true. So sometimes I use I use a, a sort of um, little age regression in hypnosis. So when when we're very relaxed, then go back and imagine the very first that point where we felt I'm a musician and I want to own this. And we've got to figure out what those feelings are um, so that we can take that forward with us because competitions uh, are not what music is about, in my opinion. I don't believe competitions are what music is about. I believe making music is what music is about for the joy of self and everybody else. So I usually do, I do quite a lot of work for those people who have performance anxiety on entering a competition or any time they perform um, in a state of joyful curiosity with no investment in the outcome. That's critical. Yeah. Yeah. And then if people and then people say, oh, but there, there is because because it's it's really important because 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 and then you come back to but why do you do this? Why do you do this? And if you can throw away the investment in the outcome, then you are really more yourself in performance because you're not suppose, trying to be what they want. I suppose really as well what you're dealing with is that ego. There's a lot yeah. of discussion surrounding the ego and why we have an ego is for survival, mm -hmm. a lot of people say, but then the other side of that same coin is too much ego is a, is a killer in terms of getting you where you want to go. So have you specific exercises to try and get people to become aware of the ego and how to manage that and making sure that the ego doesn't actually upset what they really want to have in the first place? Yeah. I'm Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of ego. Um, I, 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 I agree with you, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel it gets in the way. I am a fan of confidence mm -hmm. and I'm a fan. I'm a fan of self-confidence, of building your self-confidence, um, of, of feeling of, of competing only with yourself, of wanting to be the best musician that you can be and celebrating everyone else. I, I absolutely loathe that culture where musicians uh, criticize each other so that they can feel better. I don't think that's what music is about. No. I think, I, you know, music is a, is a gift, it's a joy, but most of all, it's a gift. And if we've been given this gift, what I often, you know, I often think of that, um, that that quote, the famous the famous quote about um, standing in front of the pearly gates and God saying, what did you do with the gift I gave you? Yes, I often think of that. Yes. Yeah. And I mm. think if we keep that in mind, then ego just has no place. It well, has no place. I thought it was really interesting. Recently, I viewed the, I think there's a two part documentary series on the country singer Gareth Brooks. Mm -hmm. Just to speaking of him himself talking about his life from day one up to where he is now and you could say potentially apart from speaking about his own very individual life experiences it was completely all about his band and those people who supported him buying tickets to his events and it was all about the audience continuously through the two and a half hour documentary 
completely about the audience. And then when you see the, the filmed parts of where he was performing, such as in our home country here in Croke Park um, in Ireland, and how the response from the audience then was so connected into what he was giving them, that there was this marriage of respect. And it's no wonder that he's number one in the country scene, because if it's all about the audience, his ego has no place. And then when they filmed him in his backyard, as it were, out in the wilds, he's just an ordinary man doing his thing. And, you know, there's all the, the negative side I find with media in general is it can blow somebody up to be this spectacular somebody because their name and photograph is everywhere. But at the, the actual fact of the matter is everybody's the same. They just have different levels of skill. Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought it was really interesting how that the whole focus was on others and not himself and mm. look where he is now. And um, similarly, a discussion I had with um, Dr. Angeline Chang, Grammy Award winning pianist. She went and performed at the Grammys completely not expecting to win anything. The day before the Grammys, she was just going around her daily life, collecting the dress and mentioning to her friends, look, I'm out of town for a day or two. You know, I'm going playing at the Grammys as if it was like going down to the restaurant that night. You know, simple things like that. And then the lady wins a Grammy. So I think there's lessons there to be learned that the mm. ego definitely is not the answer. I wonder also, though, if um, I have found that the people who have the biggest ego it tends to be because they have you said sort of you know inverse proportions to actual self-confidence and yes self it's protective yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. if they if they if they're playing this i'm 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 the big person then it's actually because they don't think that they are yeah they're trying to um, just muster up themselves yeah. to get there yeah, yeah. oh i can and, fully understand yeah interestingly um what you said about the pianist though is that certainly is a way that i like to work with with musicians is to make the performance a normal part of life because then you're not entering the stress response so you're not getting all of the bodily things happening you know going back to um thinking being at an event and thinking it's the event that's causing it and it's not the event, it's the thoughts. So what we do instead is we change the thoughts and then the behavior doesn't happen. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah. So if it mm -hmm. is just, well, right, well, I'm just gonna collect my dress and then I'm gonna be out of town for a few days and I'm just gonna go and sit down and play my piano and enjoy um, this piece of music that I'm playing just for me, then there's no need for the fight, flight, freeze mm -hmm. to come into play and then you can just, well, I'm going to do this with joyful curiosity. I'm going to see what happens if I do it this way or if I do it this way. Or, yeah, yes. this is really nice. Yeah. And um, knowing about the breath as well, I think, is a key, key trick to the whole thing. Mm. Um, fantastic information. I'm sure many listeners will want to reach out to you. So where can they reach out to you? Yes, so um, a, a number of ways. I My website is hypnotherapyforperformance.com uh, I also have a Facebook that people can come and join where I do um, I do lives each week so there's a little bit of me doing a little bit of hypnosis they can you know try 
try a little bit. The thing with um, hypnotherapy is, of course, as I said earlier, that there are people who who are a little bit afraid of it or they don't understand it. They mm-hmm. feel that there might be some some nefarious purpose behind it, that kind of thing. Yes, so coming yeah. into the Facebook group means that they, you know, they get to see see me regularly on screen doing doing stuff and just mm-hmm. normalize it a little bit. Um, the Facebook group is called hypnotherapy for performance okay. um we'll have so all the links the in the places. description yeah we'll have all the Thank links you. in the description for you so people Indeed. can click through now um, uh i just want to ask you a few questions before we finish and i think mm-hmm. this these are going to be fascinating answers so the first question is what musical secrets have you learned so far or secrets in general that have you know created impact so first of all um what i would say is that i i would like it not to be a secret at all <laughs> Um, but but you know you know I thought about this and my answer is that making music with other people is the most exhilarating experience in life and it is for your soul and that's well and that's I can I'm... add to that and say mm-hmm. that if there's a choir nearby and you don't play an instrument get involved for the winter and have fun yes it's, it's fantastic it is really choirs yeah. no matter what standard of choir it's just the community fun and everything they're fantastic Absolutely. I mean, I know when I stand in front of my choir on a Sunday night that there are probably five of them who are having quite serious health issues. There are some others who have serious family issues going on. There are people with financial issues and all of this. And for two hours, they put it down, they leave it at the door and they make music together and it's, you know, it's forgotten. It's leave your troubles at the door. It's a really wonderful thing. It and is really. then there's the support, you know, everyone support, everyone is it is asking and genuinely wanting to know, how are you? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it, it is, it is a way of getting through that mask that we often carry around yes. yeah. and, and really getting through to the essence of each other. It's a beautiful thing. It really is beautiful. Mm-hmm. What has created the most impact in your life, whether it be music or otherwise? So, um, I mean, I have to say that firstly, learning incredible vocal technique has, has just changed my world. You know, l- learning how to use my voice to, to its best effect and then coupling that with this work that I'm doing now with the with the hypnosis. So knowing that I have trained and continue to train my mind to work for me in performance, meaning that I can do the performances, you know, I can be free and fearless in performances whenever I choose and that I'm not going to end up going, oh, well, I thought it was gonna go well, it didn't go as well as I thought. Because that's what we want, isn't it? We spend so long working on our on our music, you know, working. I mean, thousands of hours, don't we? Thousands of hours. Oh, thousands of hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that, when you add it all up. Yeah. Yeah. So that then when we do perform, we can perform as we want to perform. And that's that's what I love now. So that coupling because you can't it, one without the other is no use. You yes. know, it has to be the vocal technique and the and the mind training and then the two of those together just allowing me to be the singer that you know i always you want I to was. be you want yeah. to be yeah yeah and what is the best tool you choose to use now we know we're talking about hypnotherapy here but in your own personal day-to-day life what would you suggest is the best tool 
to use. Okay, this might sound, I'm not at all woo, I have to tell you, I'm not. I'm not at all woo, but but I think it has to be the heart. You know, you Working from the heart. heart. Yeah, sing with all your heart and and just remember the, the essence of your being and, and connecting. That thing I said earlier about, um, that is the way that I run my life by thinking, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? You know, that that is sort of my premise each day. And and what is really good then is that because as musicians, we also have, there's the other side, isn't there, where sometimes we think, oh, do you know what? It's just too much like hard work. I'm going to give up. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother anymore because I put everything into it and things haven't gone my way. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, it, it, as musicians, it happens a lot. For singers, there's an awful lot of rejection with um, auditions, performances. There are so many singers, there aren't enough places for singers. Mm-hmm. And so things can go wrong and it's easy to go, oh, okay. And then, and that's the point where I say to myself, but can I justify that? You know, it, it, even if you have no faith, you know, it, if I was there standing in front of the pearly gates, could I say, oh, well, I didn't do it because frankly, I thought somebody else could do it better or so, you know, all of those things. Yeah, all of those thoughts. And that's back into the comparison game again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is the number one growth tip you've discovered? <laughs> so my number one growth tip comes from Shakespeare and Polonius, of course. So to thine own self be true. Oh my goodness, I have to agree with that one. You're no yeah. good if you're not true to yourself, isn't that true? No, no, being being unique, just mm-hmm. being yourself and being the best you that you can be, I think is the best gift that you can give to yourself as well. Because it frees you, you're liberated, you're just you. And if people don't like that, well, okay, but you're you. You know, so that's yeah. um, that's it. Now, I have one final question, and this one can be a hard question. Now, I've been through this myself, where maybe you're failed on stage, yeah, because the you know the nerves got to you and it was real tough, and it just didn't work out for you. Mm-hmm. How do you handle the aftermath of such a happening? Yeah, um, the, I think there there are a number of ways. Uh, sometimes. And if you want the honest answer, sometimes it's ice cream and a box set. <laughs> <laughs> and hide away for a month. And hide away for a month. Yes, sometimes it is. I have, um, I do have some wonderful hypnotherapy exercises and one of them is, is absolutely brilliant for that and it's called lifting the fog. And it really is an, an imaginary process where you, uh, the fog obviously is the, the depression the that has thing. descended, yeah, mm-hmm. the stuff. And what you do is you, you look beyond it and then you actually draw a line and you lift it up and you see what's beyond it. And most people find that a really helpful exercise to, to move forwards. You know, yeah. um, but I think also accepting that um, I'm not one for this good vibes only thing. You know, I think in life and to be a great performer, we have to feel all the feels. You know, we have to. The good times are, are amazing. But if we only have the good times, how do we express the misery when we need to express misery and performance? Well, that's true, because I can say probably the greatest learning or learnings that I've had are when things have seemingly gone bad and they've been painful 
but then mm -hmm. maybe a year or two later it's taken that long you realize oh my goodness i wouldn't have learned that or become a better version of myself were it not for that bad experience yes so it, it can be painful but i you know if you're willing to go through it and break through the threshold as it were it will benefit you in the long run mm -hmm. that's what i've discovered so just to remind the listeners of your website again it's hypnotherapyforperformance.com and it's been a pleasure having you on Thank and you. let us know if there's any new developments coming out and tune into her facebook group i think that would be excellent for any musician to tune into so thanks very much for coming on. Oh, it's been my great pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs>